Hello, everyone. My name is Tawny Hammond. Welcome to the Profiles and Leadership Podcast. I will be shining a light on big-hearted and brave leadership, making the world a safer, more humane, and kinder place for all species. Leadership exists at all levels and walks of life. There are everyday heroes all around us working to end the killing of companion animals and animal shelters across the nation, as well as protecting wildlife and stopping the degradation of the environment. And I'm going to bring them to you. All you have to do is tune in and come along on this life-saving journey as we learn about profiles and leadership. So grab your walking shoes and your ear pods and let's go. So, Paul, I'm super excited that you made time to talk with us today on Profiles and Leadership. As you know, this podcast is about just chatting with and shining a light on the work of everyday people doing extraordinary things uh, to make this world kinder and more compassionate and a safe place for all species. And I found out about your work in El Paso, Texas, um, and naturally really thought it was cool that you came from the parks field because I came from the parks field and we have a lot of similarities there. I'm, I'm used to be a power lifter and you're my, my, uh, <laughs> my role model to regain my health and take off some weight and get back into lifting. Cause I, it's one of my first loves. All right. And so I find you inspirational for a number of different reasons, but I just want to say thank you for joining profiles and leadership today. And just want to talk with you about about your background and all the all the cool stuff and all the hard work and all the things you've been doing in El Paso. Well, th- first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's people like you and and a lot of other people that have helped in the last few years as I've grown to uh, learn and love animal welfare and and the job that we're all doing. So, first of all, thank you for that. I'll give you a little history about a little over two years ago. Uh, the city manager actually put together an, a task force to come into uh, El Paso Animal Services and and make some pretty bold moves and to to look at uh, the operation and make some improvements and to include uh, different policies and procedures to include disease control and lowering intake and customer service, improving on that focusing on process improvements. We continued to do that over the the last two years and in also involving our public. We had a lot of public engagement and uh, optimizing our resources within the within the city, uh, reaching out to other departments and engaging our not only our workforce at El Paso Animal Services, but the entire city is behind us and providing the best service to our pets and their families in in El Paso. And we've done that during uh, the last two years. And I have to say that we've come up with a really dynamic and engaging strategic plan that involved all areas of the community, along with uh, some of our, our national partners and our Animal Shelter Advisory Committee also came up with a strategic plan and we have a lot of things in the work, and we've done a lot, especially during the last year. Um, we have several goal, goals uh, lined up. I mean, these aren't anything that you haven't heard in any of the classes that, that are taught at Best Friends or American Pets Alive, uh, but it's it's developed by our community. 
And that's what makes it different. That's what makes it uh, workable. And I, I, I'm really proud of that. Well, and you should be um, when you have it driven by the community because, you know, not killing pets and saving more pets' lives and reforming, you know, totally changing animal services in a community is, as you and I both know, is really is a community ethic and value. I have a question for you. Um, when, so let's back up a second. How many years do you have in park services? 23 years in parks and recreation. Yes. Yeah. And so you have been the director of uh, El Paso animal services for how long? About a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half year and change. And, um, I got to ask you, cause I know how I felt when I came into animal services, you can retire. Why are you doing this? I, at first I thought that, um, to be honest with you, I'm going to, I'm not going to hide it. When I first got sent over here, I had no idea the silo that animal services was in within the city. And I really had no idea what was going on over at El Paso animal services as a park and recreation professional for that long. But once I got over here and I saw the the people, the passion, the mission, and I knew that we could do this change together. And in Parks and Recreation, we changed the quality of life of a community in a lot of ways. But in animal services, you can do it. You can change the life of a community and to include their pets. And yeah. it, it's just, um, to be honest with you, I didn't think that I was going to feel as as I do today, as focused on the life saving and making that change in our community as back then. I didn't think that I would feel this way, but after getting to know people like yourself, uh, all the different visitors that we've had, uh, along with you know the highly motivated staff that we have here, they they're the ones that want the change. They're the ones that stood and euthanized 20,000 in 2013, and now we're saving that many. Yeah, and, you know, I know that you and I have chatted um, that we're very data-driven people. Right. Numbers matter to us a lot, but people and pets matter to us even more. Yeah. And the numbers tell the story, right, because we have to have something to measure our progress by. You and I talked about we're not motivated by numbers. No. But we are motivated by measuring our efficacy and our efficiency and our success because otherwise we're wasting money. And if we can't measure where, where we were, where we're at, where we've come from and where we're headed. And I was wondering if you could just step back in time and put things in perspective for us. When you came into El Paso, what were the performance metrics like and where are you at today and where do you want to be? When I came into El Paso animal services, it it was really a, a lot less performance metrics because we didn't have a strategic plan. And it was mainly geared around the, the live release rate and the euthanasia rate. That's that's changed a lot. And you, I, I talk about data a lot, but it you have to know how to apply the data to normal mm-hmm. day-to-day operations. I get data every day here. I get data every week here. I get data every month here. And it tells you where you need to focus. I mean, I just finished looking at my October report and it tells me where I lacked focus during October. 
and I'm doing a, I'm going to be focusing on that in November for sure. And it also shows me where I did focus. There's, there's a lot more to it than live release rate. And there's a, there's people, there's staff involved. The data does drive us though. It does tell us a big story. It's more than live release though. It's, you know, RTO rate, um, Customer return return to return owner. to owner rate, uh, customer satisfaction, uh, capacity. How many do we have here in the building? I mean, I look at that daily. We continue we continue to focus on our challenged areas. And the- well, tell me where have you come from? Like, what's your intake about now? Uh, we're we're at about twenty seven thousand twenty twenty seven thousand and some change. What's your, what's the, do you know the population roughly for El Paso? Uh, around around 600,000. Yeah. So pretty robust intake for your population per capita. What, um, we also include the county and Fort Bliss as part of our intake. So that population actually jumps to about 800,000. If you include all of those areas, because, uh, we are the open admission shelter for all of them. Gotcha. Yeah, same thing with when I was the director in Austin. We had an interlocal agreement with all of Travis County, so it's 900 square miles, and all of the unincorporated areas. So, yeah, a lot of people don't realize, realize that about city shelters. Often they're supporting other communities within maybe a county footprint. Yeah. What up? And like in your case, Fort Bliss, and in, in some places, reservations. Yes. So tell me, when you came on board, uh, just where was the live re- release rate um, when you came on board in El Paso? Because I know that we measure a lot of things, but we're working towards eliminating unnecessary, you know, eliminating killing. We're not eliminating euthanasia. What what was your save your your uh, your save rate when you came on board? It was actually ballpark around uh, 60 percent. Yep. And where are you today? Like, are you? You know, you're happy where you're at. What's your numbers today look like for save rate? We're sitting around 86%. On 86%. Uh, that's, that's quite a, that's quite a bit. We, did, talk, talk. we just finished October at 87.19. Okay. And, okay. and actually we finished October with the lowest dieting care rate. That's actually what I'm more excited about because we're moving in the right direction in, in that area. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about that a little bit. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that. Like when you first inherited where the dieting care was and then where you're at now, because I know a little bit about that from working in older facilities. I, in Virginia, I inherited an older facility and um, it's a different ball game when you were built for three day stray hold. If someone didn't come and get you and you weren't adopted, you were dead. Yeah. And, and these facilities were built very differently than us giving somebody, giving a pet, uh, time to find a rescue, its owner, a new home. It's totally different. So I know you have some challenges. We chatted about that at a conference, just some challenges you have with the physical structure. So Paula, talk to me a little bit about the dining care is the lowest it's been in, um, the history of El Paso and youth and also ending pets lives prematurely. Is it the lowest it's been in the history of El Paso? Right. Is that it? That That's correct. The combination of both of those, it's the lowest it's ever been. Uh, we just finished again October. Um, both of those, the dieting care and the 
euthanasia rate was was quite a bit lower in in both of those areas. The dieting care is something we're looking at and, and watching. One of the things is we have a team that actually uh, looks at the dieting care. At, you know, at the end of the month, we look at the reasons behind it. Again, looking at the data triggers us to do certain things. We we did see that a lot of our kittens were dying in foster care, so it changed how, some of our training that we did for fosters, and it changed how we're running our foster program. We're actually in the middle of that uh, change right now to help us with the dieting care and foster. The dieting care in the shelter also changed a little bit of how we care for the animals and how we operate the procedures that we enter in medical evaluations for and empowering the team to do certain things when they see an animal that is um, at risk. So again, data is something that we look at, but we also, we also use that to change policy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I remember when I talked with you about policy and you said the first thing you did as a director is developed a policy on how policy was made. Yeah. And I was, yeah, that, I mean, that was really impressive because most of them were driven by the staff uh, coming up, coming to you with policy recommendations that you review and uh, are then piloted and then measured for efficacy and efficiency and success, and then, then become official policy. So that's correct. And it really is reflective, too, of a cultural change, the way you're handling it, which is what we are holding up as a role model for others. Because, you know, culture, where they that saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast or strategy for lunch, <laughs> um, whatever meal it is, culture's king, right? Right. So talk to me a little bit about the facility. Um, last time we chatted, you were talking about some plans uh, you're dealing with, how old is the building you're dealing with? It was built in 2005 or four. It was built in 2004, but again, it was built as a facility to house for three days and to euthanize. It wasn't built to save lives. It wasn't, wow. it wasn't built for receiving the stray intake and for, uh, doing the things that were, you know, in the life-saving programs that we have now. Um, it wasn't built for that. We've fitted in right now, and we do have some. Uh, we did this year build 48 huge outdoor play runs. A lot of people call them kennels, but I call them play runs because they're 8 by 10. They're huge. And then we also are also in the process. We built an outdoor catio. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and thanks to Petco, we do have a grant for uh, a catio at the zoo which I saw the preliminary designs last week, and it's going to be an exciting one-of-a-kind program at the El Paso Zoo where we'll have a chance to adopt cats right out of the zoo and also have a chance chance to do that education program that we've been been wanting to, to do for the last year. And we've hired our education coordinator to kind of lead that effort. So along with the facility changes, we're also hiring staff to to do certain things in all of those locations. Our Socorro Clinic, we did acquire a parks building next to it that uh, we eventually are want to have a our behavior center so we can do a little extra work for the, the dogs that need a little extra time and maybe put them in like a home setting and do um, uh, a little bit of a different approach um, than just being here at the shelter. 
we're actually kind of excited because we're going to be able to start. We're also going to be able to adopt out of that that center, and we just finished the floor and the painting, and kennels are in, and uh, we're kind- so that's going to increase your your capacity too, right? Give you a little more. That is um, that is going to increase our our capacity, especially for the large dogs, which we definitely definitely need. I'm not going to hide. We definitely need more capacity for large dogs. How's your fast tracking for pets in the system as far as people being able to come in and foster and adopt? Uh, right now, I actually checked this morning. Our foster program's really, really uh, improving with the help of uh, 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 different organizations coming in and working and also the apprenticeships that that um, Maddie's Fund's tradition been so generous about sending all of our foster people to. We actually have... 567 dogs out on foster right now and over 741 total out on foster. Wow. The program, uh, I did staff it up a little bit. It has a added staff member and a part-time. And also we enhanced our volunteer program. So we have a volunteer that has like a job description and she's actually working with our foster coordinator. So all of that's been in the last year to enhance the foster program because that's going to be key to our success along with, you know, everything else, you know, of course, the adoptions and, and, uh, uh, our return to owner rates and, and, uh, community, our community cat program, all of those programs needed some enhancement and needed some fine tuning. And you've seen El Pasoans all throughout the country this year, going to all of these apprenticeships learning. And what I do is when they go, they have to come back with a deliverable. They cannot just go to a conference or apprenticeship and come back and, okay, I learned, and just continue the same way. They have a measurable deliverable they have to provide to us. and That's cool. And they do it. And this is an example. The foster program was not this robust even two months ago, but with the help of a lot of people, now now it is. Tell me, um, tell me Paula, what's, what are you doing with animal control like before the door, the saving pets lives before the door, what are anything, you know, initiatives you've launched that maybe are helping keep people, pets in their home and out of the shelter system? Um, we have a lot of things that we've done. Uh, one of the big ones is that we have the fire station microchip checks where you can go to any fire station and get, um, and our firemen are really great at scanning and we try to Instead of bringing the animal into the shelter, we actually try to reunite them with their pet before they come to the shelter. Uh, another thing that we did is our um, our field operation change. That was one of the first things that we did, an engagement rather than enforcement, kind of a customer service level change, where the, uh, the officers are doing um, RTOs, and they're not bringing them to the shelter. So return in the field, re- returning to owner in the yeah, they returned to the owner in the field. And what a challenge that came up was that well, we also have officers from the county areas that we told you in the Fort Bliss area. So we're in the process now. I mean, it's a continuous process, but we're in the process of training them on the same thing and making that change with with uh, officers that really aren't under our jurisdiction, but they have the same goal in mind, and we have that documented. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really great. We also have the pet finder map. Uh, that's a big one that we have in El pa- um, with our IT department. They helped us put together our pet finder map, and that keeps that helps us. You know, people looking for their lost pet, 
or um, people that found a lost pet. Right, right. Yeah, they can maybe help you reunite it in the field with the owner. Yeah. Tell me, um, you've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. Are there any plans for any expansions or new facilities? Uh, it's funny you ask. I am. I, I, I can't, like, reveal everything at this point, but in two weeks you'll you'll hear about it. The I am presenting my uh, fiscal year report, which is is going to show a lot a lot of improvements, but it's also going to show our challenges. And I have to tell you, our 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 uh, strategic plan does go through some change as we get closer and closer to to our goal of of saving as many as we can. And what that entails is more physical capacity for care. That's yeah. that's number uh, that's high up on our priority list, and I'll be going to council asking for that. And we do have plans to ask for additional uh, capacity for care for a large dog, especially, yep. and also the medical facility to handle some more uh, segregation of the of the sick animals so that we can care for them. The other thing that I'm asking for is basic improvement here at the shelter that we already have. Um, ventilation improvement, uh, some some things that we need to improve on the on the facility that was built in 2004. That you know it's hard to get money for, but we're going to ask for it because um, we are housing animals here. And right. then, and then the last thing that we're asking for is um, a, tra- a bigger transportation vehicle so that we can start transporting more. Right now, our transport vehicle, uh, you know the. I think the max that we can have in that vehicle is 20, 25 dogs. Right. And we want to be able to transport more. We have receiving agencies that want more, but it's hard for us to take more because we, we can't even transport them. So those are the big areas. Uh, And other people are also stepping up to help us with the physical capacity for care. So I'm really, really excited for this year. We have a lot in the works, a lot of plans. Uh, we, yeah. did, we did make a trip to Austin to see their indoor-outdoor kennels, the new ones that they built a couple of years ago, and have our design team already ready. So we're not going to waste time on, on any of that. Yeah. I, and my, my advice to you, because Austin's beautiful. People go there and the city of Austin, where I was the director. Right. And they're like, well, no, no, you know, no kidding. You're no kill. Look at this beautiful place. <laughs> Even as beautiful it is, it is, it is. It still had its challenges. We still built tiny stray hole kennels, and I, I wasn't part of it. It was built uh, about 2010, 11. Right. And, and I was came, you know, I came to Austin in 2015, and we were building some more tiny kennels, and I put the stop to that, and we built adoption kennels. And where pets show well and the quality of life is better. And so even in new shelters that are being built, they're still wanting to build pretty adoption kennels. And then these tiny three-day stray hole kennels. And then the other thing that we want to look at is intake. For crying out loud, it should be a resource center that's warm and cozy where you come when you're stressed out and emotional. And you actually can sit down and talk to somebody and problem solve instead of it being this transactional exchange. Like I used to joke that here you have this beautiful facility in Austin, but you go to the intake office and it's like, you're there to get uncle Buford out of jail in a tiny little town. Like it's like, it was like a, this little utilitarian cinder block lobby. 
juxtapositions next to this like ski lodge adoption. Uh, so, you know, it's animal sheltering is evolving. The building of new shelters is evolving. We're finding out, you know, that pets don't belong in shelters and we can, if we can keep them with their families, that's great. Well, you got a lot of cool stuff you've been working on the past year that are, that's coming to fruition. I want to, can I, can I pivot on you and ask you some leadership questions? Sure. So you and I have a similar background, right? Correct. Why would anybody in their, this is a tough field because everybody is an expert on animal services. Like I would never tell my mechanic how to fix my car. I'd never tell my dentist how to fix my teeth. I'd never tell my accountant how to do my tax return. But everybody is an expert on animal sheltering and it's a tough field. And we are, I'm in it in a different way now. I'm in a national level and helping develop leadership around the nation. You're right there. You could retire if you want to. What, what's our message? What's your message? What's Paula Powell's message for people considering getting into animal service in a leadership uh, capacity? What is your, what can you, what advice can you give them? Cause it is a tough field. We get beat up and, and why do it? So two questions, what's your advice for them? Cause I believe it's a noble profession for me. It was a higher calling. It was spiritual. So what's your advice and then why do it? My advice is first of all, yeah, you, you gotta be a little thick skinned. I've learned that a lot this week and what I try to do is see the good in, in everything, even even the worst things. And even my staff kind of make fun of me about it. But even the complaining person that comes in, they probably have some truth to everything. And so learn from that. What can you learn from from those people that are that that think they're think or are the experts and see if you can find something that will help improve the situation you're in. Always, always never forget that you're an employee, that you're, you're in this with the team and you're no better than anyone, no worse. Just because you're the director doesn't mean that you can't do the work that they're doing. Right. Get down, lead by example. Sounds like you're talking about humility being humble, being genuine and authentic. Yeah. The other thing is, and hopefully I've done it today, is always think about what you're going to say before you say it. Talk yourself through it. Don't say it just uh, because your emotions are telling you to say something, especially in this. Everybody is compassionate. Everybody loves animals, and they're they're talking to you because of that. And I try to look at everyone, even the ones that are against some of the stuff that we're doing. You know, there are people that are against the, the no-kill philosophy and the saving all the lives. I try to find the, the the good and where we can improve. And I actually did it with a, a group uh, when we had our vaccination clinic. We finally found something that we all agreed on was that more animals in El Paso needed to be vaccinated. So our group to, went together and although we didn't agree on everything we did agree on that and we found that common ground and we knocked it out of the water this year by vaccinating you know over sixteen thousand El Paso animals uh together and these are people 
that used to stand up and talk against us. Right. And those are pets that are healthy and stand a chance of staying with their families. Yes. These are, these are public animals that are in El Paso that we're trying to keep well. And if they do it would end up in the, in, in our shelter, they're already vaccinated and they're already microchipped and we'll be able to return them back home. Well, and you know, you are humble and you are a servant leader. It's obvious that you lead by example and you're very compassionate. What, what can you say? You talked about being thick skinned, but I also feel that when the going gets tough, this field definitely, there's a, there's a certain amount of courage where you can't flinch or blink. You know, you're doing the right things for the right reasons. And being in your case, I think you're being extremely, um, I've, I've noticed you've been very, very transparent and upfront and people aren't used to that. I think sometimes you're used to people covering their tracks or not really answering questions or not being forthcoming. There takes a lot of, it's a lot of courage to just be super upfront and transparent. Don't you think? I think that's the way you have to be. You have to be ethical. You have to be transparent. You have to say how it is, but you also have to be professional and you have to find out the information, do your research again. Um, the other thing that I think is really, really big. And it's especially for me lately is be careful. Again, I told you, be careful what you say, but don't do anything negative over tech, social media, or, or, or any of those areas because it can all come back and be used against you. Right. It might feel good for a second. And I guess what Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. Um, because you can really get wrapped around your axle. Again, it goes back to everybody being an expert. I remember so many people would have opinions about the work in Austin Mm -hmm. They'd never visited there. They'd never met with me. They never met with Dr. Jefferson. They never toured the place. They never sat down and talked to us, but they were pontificating about uh, a community. And I just use Austin because it's where I worked, but it happens with other communities and, and social media can be a lifesaver for pets, but can also be a huge destructive time waster when people just share things and they don't know what they're talking about. It can really be a distractor. And you, you know, I think successful directors, and you're probably a, a really good example, is someone that keeps their eye on the prize, right? I think your athletics probably help you. I love your belt. It says, uh, kill weights, not pets. Right. And athletes may not understand that, but I understand what we, that's the way we talked in powerlifting. And uh, so I had to smile when I saw your belt. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually means a lot. I mean, I live... I live by this. It is who I am now. Parks and Recreation is not who I am. The Animal Service Department and here in El Paso picked me for a reason. And I'm going to help this team lead uh, this city to be one of the biggest leaders in animal welfare. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do today. We have a lot of work to do this month and this year. And we know what we have to do. You guys have taught us that. Thank you for that. But we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of focus that needs to happen right now. And I, I'm really looking forward to it because I've watched my team this, this week and the previous week really come forth and do some amazing things. Uh, like that foster 
the foster numbers I was throwing at you earlier. Yep. Our foster coordinator is like on it right now and he's working so hard and everyone here is really pushing for for the animals that are in our care. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I I think what's really cool too why you've been a role model for me is when things aren't going so great, not folding and crumbling and not fighting and being negative, just offering facts and saying, look, this is where we're at. This is where, this is how we're going to fix things. And another thing that's kind of cool, Paula, and I did not know this, I knew you were doing great work, but these, a lot of these initiatives that are coming to fruition right now, that'll be helping with some of the challenges that all shelters face will be, um, you started them like a year ago. I mean, you identified that in the strategic planning process and been chipping away at it gradually, uh, knocking out the to-dos, the goals, the objectives, the funding, the personnel positions. And then, you know, we haven't, this, this is focused on leadership and about you as a leader. Um, but we also know, leading people it's it's messy and you'll get people on there that may not be on board and we're not at at liberty ever to be able to discuss those those are always private matters and people will be in my opinion and you can tell me if you disagree but people will be foolish to think that we're not you know as directors weren't you aren't dealing with pretty complex situations that you can't just stand out there with a bullhorn and talk about i agree in every organization you have great employees you have mediocre employees and you have employees that need a little help and the thing is that a professional director will not talk about those employees right but will try to build them up and try to give them program improvement plans and different things so that we can together be successful and i'm really an engaging director and i'm in fact some people say too much but I really believe that the employees drive this organization, not the director, but the employees. Yep. And my goal is just to support them, train them, uh, give them what they need so that we can do this job together. I know that all the employees here are behind our mission. Sometimes they don't realize how they're part of the mission. You know, I, I told the kennel attendance in the new employee orientation that picking up poop actually helps the regional economy and they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't figure that out so i broke it down for them and so now that's the joke around here they're like okay let's go help the regional economy and they start picking up poop but it is they are important part of all of it and they need to know that they need to know how vital it is if they didn't clean the kennels that day how, how or feed the dogs properly how vital that is to the the organization's mission and i think they're with all of our policies and procedures and and piloting and and meetings and in engagement i actually see a lot of progress in that area yeah no it, it sounds like it man i can't wait to see what's next I think that you're, you've got a laser focus and you've got a good team and you've got great support in the city of El Paso. That we do. We have, we have a tremendous council and uh, leadership and, uh, and the fire chief has been uh, very supportive as we've moved through these changes. Change is hard for any organization, but I can tell you our site is on the mission. 
uh, our site is to take care of the animals in our care and our community. And you will see a lot happen this year. Finally, a year where we actually get some input on the budget and uh, input on personnel. Uh, changes changes are happening and and not all of them are on Facebook. Right. But we we are uh, we are uh, moving in the right direction, and I'm not quitting on my staff, and I'm not quitting on my community, and neither are anybody here at El Paso Animal Services. It's not going to happen. We're going to keep fighting for for each individual animal that's in our care. It's amazing. It's kind of like El Paso the movie. It's like um, what was that? T.C. Williams, the football Denzel <laughs> Washington played the coach. Uh, it's like it's like you know El Paso the movie, and then that then I, this just what you said the quote. Well, I you know kudos to you for 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 having tenacity and the and the fortitude. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's like a full contact sport because it's tough, right? Because lives are at stake and people feel very passionate about it. And um, like I said, social media is really helpful, but it can also be harmful. I'm really glad that I got to talk to you about leadership and uh, we look forward, we look forward to seeing more out of El Paso. And I, I thank you for making time to talk to us here at Profiles and Leadership today, Paula. Well, thank you for having me, Tony. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you have a great evening and we will see each other at different conferences and activities around the country. And in February. Yeah. All right. Keep the faith. Thank you.